Well, hello and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and I'm joined again by Andrew O'Hara this week. Thanks for joining me, Andrew. Yep, yep, no problem. So we're going to touch on some quick news, and then we're actually going to spend some time later in the show talking about smart home devices, all the things, some of the new smart home stuff that's coming out soon, HomeKit-enabled accessories. And listen, we're all at home a little more now, and I don't know, I love to tinker with HomeKit stuff and smart home stuff, and Andrew has an extensive list of stuff that he's been messing around with. (laughs) So we'll get to that in a little bit. A couple of the big pieces of news from this week. Apple refreshed their 13-inch MacBook Pro. This is a refresh that was rumored. We thought it might have been a 14-inch, like the 15 going to 16, uh, but not the case. It is the same screen size, a 13-inch MacBook Pro. It has replaced the keyboard with the new Magic Keyboard that's on the 16-inch, that's on the Air. And so finally, Apple's entire laptop line has the better, more reliable Magic Keyboard. And you can get up to four terabytes of internal storage. And, you know, you could beef it up a little bit. Not as powerful as a 16-inch, obviously. You can't get that the uh, discrete graphics or the i9 processor. Uh, But it's definitely a great option for those who like that size. And I love my 16-inch with the iPad and Magic Keyboard, which we could talk about in a little bit. Um, You know, I don't have as much desire for this size, but I know for a lot of people, this 13-inch is a great option. And uh, I did had a 13-inch for a long time and really loved it. So... And you're actually getting one sometime today, right? Yeah, we've got a couple showing up. The The entry-level model will be here. And then I also picked up the high-end model to test out with that quad-core i7, the 10th gen Intel chips. Right. The, the uh, entry-level ones don't excite me all that much. It's those higher-end 10th gen Intel chips that are more exciting, where you can get you know 32 gigs of RAM in there. You can get, um, it's also the faster RAM mind you. Right. Um, you can get the four terabytes of storage. It has the better graphics that allow you to do 6K displays like the Apple Pro Display XDR because I'm sure there's a lot of people picking up a 13-inch MacBook Pro to use with a Pro Display XDR, but it is an option. I, I think it's more about, you know, future-proofing. Right. 6K displays aren't going to be, you know, necessarily a thing now, but in a couple years, and if you want this laptop to last four to six years as they should, then that's going to make sense down the line. You know, a few years, three years from now, you pick up a 6K display, and you want to make sure your laptop can support it. Fortunately, the upper end of the new MacBook Pros can do so. And I was correct, it's still Intel Iris graphics on all models, right? Even the high-end ones. Yeah, it's Intel Iris Plus graphics. I think it's like the 445 or something on the low end one and then or 450 445 something like that and then just intel iris plus graphics on the high end ones the starting base model is 1299 so 1300 dollars. you get 256 gigabyte ssd for that price which is a great uh, entry level ssd size if you're ever going to upgrade anything on a macbook pro though i do recommend upgrading that to at least 512 uh, if you can but with education pricing it does drop that base model to eleven ninety nine, uh, so twelve hundred bucks for that. So, and they all have touch bars with dedicated escape key, though. So there's no more, uh, no more virtual escape key than on any MacBook Pro yep. model either. No function bars on MacBook Pros, and no digital virtual escape keys. Well, the other news, and not huge news, we knew WWDC was going to be all online and it was going to be in June, but we have a date. Uh, Apple sent out the announcement that June twenty second. The online WWDC 2020 event will begin. So June 22nd, march your calendars. I imagine that is when the initial keynote will be. I don't know if they've said that specifically. That seems pretty likely. But yeah, pretty likely. So June 22nd on that. Uh, Looking forward to uh, some of that Dark Sky news. We actually had a a couple tweets. Somebody tweeted at me. uh, They're very curious about the, the Dark Sky thing and if we'll see anything in the WWDC software announcements. So. So the last thing I wanted to touch on before we get to the big smart home segment that we're going to talk about, there was a 
teardown from iFixit. They got the new iPad Magic Keyboard and they did a teardown. So you can see all the internals on the new Magic Keyboard for iPad. Uh, pretty interesting to see all that's in there. Obviously, all the magnets and stuff is kind of fun to see, but also the trackpad, you know, that it physically clicks is interesting to see as well. So you could check out that article on Apple Insider, but I haven't had you on since I got my own Magic Keyboard. I know you were really liking it first too, but tell me your uh, your two to three week thoughts now that you've had it for a little bit. How are you liking it? I like it a lot. There are still small idiosyncrasies that are getting worked out especially with like the cursor support seems to be wonky in certain areas. Uh, I was recently, I used Spark as my email client and I was in Spark on my iPad. Works great as normal, but I go to copy email text and it wasn't letting me. It was keeping the cursor as a circle and I'm trying to like drag on text and it wouldn't work. And then I had to use my finger and it works just fine. So there's still small things like that, but I know a lot of that is going to come from developers we're seeing a lot of apps adding support for the touch bar or not touch bar but the touchpad um and mouse and all that stuff with the magic keyboard bear is you know we talked about that in our previous apps episode um one of my favorites they added support for the trackpad and everything and it makes it really nice to work with apps that actually bring that support through so i think it's just going to continue to get better as apps get updated sometimes it is confusing kind of as i'm using it just kind of in my head on whether or not it makes more sense to use the trackpad or the screen yeah i like have my hand i'm like wait should i move it forward and go to the screen or should I move it back to the <laughs> trackpad yeah it's kind of funny i was really trying to get in the habit of two finger scrolling through anything mm-hmm. uh, with the trackpad and it's so hard to break the model in my head of reaching for the screen and scrolling that way and so i'll go back and forth even reading the same website i'm gonna scroll with two fingers on the trackpad oh wait I, now i just flick with the <laughs> finger so you just it's nice you could do it either way but uh, what's interesting in this teardown too, the part that I really like is the spring mechanism for that hinge. And so it's a dual spring mechanism for the dual hinge system. And of all the things that I am still not sure how I feel about it is how stiff that hinge section is, because I didn't realize how often with my smart keyboard folio that I would flip the keyboard around and actually use it like a tablet with all touch and how easy that was. And then to flip it back or flip it as a keyboard, getting the iPad out, you really need to like set it down or use two hands and you have to open the magic keyboard all the way really to get the iPad out uh, to separate it from the magic keyboard. So that, you know, if you use your tab, your iPad, like in tablet mode a lot where you're actually maybe holding it in one hand and, touching or navigating with the other that is kind of uh there's some friction of getting to that kind of usage mode when you have it in the magic keyboard case so that's been my biggest hold up i still got a couple weeks to in my return window but uh, i'm not sure i do really like the keyboard and i'm getting used to typing on that so yeah so i'm not sure i kind of wish it had steeper angles as well yeah there are times where i want to just angle it a little bit more Overall, there's no way I'm returning this. I'm absolutely keeping it. It has definitely helped with productivity, doing a lot of text editing mm-hmm. much better. I really, really do like it. Yeah. But there's just still small things that need to be cleaned up. Apps need to continue to get updates out the door. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more about this and maybe additional features to it uh, when we get to WWDC in a few weeks. Yeah, I did. I gave it to my son the other day to read something on it and it was already tilted as far back as it'll go. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I gave it to him, he immediately tried to like bend it back way farther. And I'm like, (laughs) son, son, it doesn't go back that far. (laughs) Sorry. So that's all you get. That's all you get. Yeah. Okay. So we had had the thought you had posted a question 
Did you post? You tweeted something about yes. the smart home thing. Yes. Do you remember what you tweeted? I honestly, I'm not sure now. I remember along the lines of you know what smart home projects are you working on this weekend? Right. Smart right, home right, Saturday, right. smart home Sunday. I don't know. Um, but I was working yeah. on a lot of projects, and I was just curious of what everyone else was working on, and it kind of just sprung into a conversation. Yeah, and so you have a uh, way more products and stuff that we'd love to interact with. I just to give a background, I love adding HomeKit and smart home devices to my house, there is a complication that I have an older home. And so a lot of my light switches do not have a neutral wire. And so finding devices that work for that uh, can be a hit and miss. I've kind of tried to go all in on Lutron for any wall switches that I've installed. Their dimmer model, that's like 55 bucks, doesn't require a neutral wire. They do have a toggle non-dimming switch that doesn't require a neutral wire. I'll put the link in show notes if you want to check that out. But it is like $85 for some reason. I don't know if it's something about the load. I'm not an electrician, let's be honest. (laughs) Uh, But something about the load. And so they do have a model like that. But I was looking at some of the devices that will be coming out soon that I'll let you mention. But I definitely have a number of Lutron dimming switches uh, with the hub. How has your Lutron stuff been for you? Like reliability? Honestly, it's been spot on. Um, it, it has been reliable. It responds with Siri all the time. I also have an Alexa, a couple Alexas, and it responds to those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely only use the Lutron app if I'm setting up a device, and then I just kind of yeah. never go there again. You know, I do it all with the home app. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, uh, I have, I think, maybe five dimmer switches and two uh, plug-in style. So, you know, you plug it into the outlet and it's like the big box Mm -hmm. and you can control that. I have two of those and uh, they've all been pretty reliable. I have them on schedules and uh, they've been working well. Have you not had good experience with them? No, actually it's been fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, I only have, I only have a couple Lutron things and I'm kind of obsessed with them. They're, they're absolutely fantastic. I'm pretty sure we're going to publish a review this weekend on some Lutron gear. And that was one of my biggest things was just holy crap, this thing is reliable. Like I have had no issues with it. It's incredible. They're rock solid. And in contrast, when I first started into smart home stuff, I'd gotten a couple Wemo switches and Wemo plugs. The Wemo app is a little janky, I'll be honest. And the models that I got were not HomeKit enabled. Mm -hmm. So I have to control them through Wemo. Those are definitely less reliable. I have a Wemo light bulb that requires another kind of hub. And then I have switches that connect directly to Wi-Fi. But those sometimes will take a second to connect and to read the status if it's on or off. And so those less inclined about. I did recently get the newer Wemo plug-in switch. Um, And so, you know, you plug it into the outlet and you plug something into the plug. That thing is HomeKit enabled and been pretty solid. So maybe newer Wemo stuff is good. Did you see the uh, Wemo stuff from CES this year? I know. I saw that they had a hub where you can get your older Wemo devices on HomeKit, but that was, I think, all I had remembered. That's a little bit older. The one this year was that was kind of really cool. I think they called it like the Insight Switch or something, but it is a, it's not a smart switch. Like you don't control it with HomeKit. It essentially detects electricity being drawn and you can kind of set the threshold, I believe. You basically can use this as a trigger for other devices kind of in the opposite way you would normally expect like a HomeKit thing to work. So you can have something like a phone charger plugged into this. And every night when you go to bed and you set your phone in the phone charger, it automatically like turns off your lights. 
something like that along those lines oh. so it basically just watches for energy to be drawn and then when it does you can use that to trigger a scene or an automation or another accessory so there's a lot of stuff you can do with that they gotta play around and think of some unique ideas but it's a really interesting device and i haven't seen anything you know specifically just that just that does that in the home kit space that is pretty cool and i've been interested in branching into like water detection devices which i think you actually have some experience with uh, yep. and we'll get to that but i also have a vivant alarm system which that kind of adds additional devices that are not home kit so i have a doorbell camera and another camera plus all the security home things uh, also door lock i have through vivant I wish it was HomeKit, and we'll get to the option in a second that might be coming soon uh, that I'm very interested in. And then I have a couple Canary cameras and an Ecobee uh, thermostat. So have a pretty, well, I'll say extensive <laughs> for me, but uh, compared to yours, maybe not extensive. And uh, so I'd love to hear your background. And, and before we get into it, because I know, I know you're going to jam for a while, we did want to mention this news that just broke today, and that the home automation company, oh, Wink, gosh. which I've heard of Wink, <sighs> and you know they've been around for a while. They have said that they are going to require customers who have any Wink products to begin paying a monthly subscription fee to access the smart home hardware that they have already purchased. Now, this seems preposterous. This would be the equivalent of Wemo making me pay a subscription service for the light switch I installed three years ago. And, you know, they're saying this is going to apply to all Wink customers going back to whatever hardware I guess you have. And it would be a $5 a month subscription. And so now they're getting a bunch of heat. This just broke Thursday of this week. And so, you know, remains to be seen their response, but couldn't believe this. This is this pretty is, preposterous. And what's crazy is, okay, there, like I, there's a multiple facets to look at with this, but on one hand, you, you got to feel bad for them. Stuff is, everything is kind of crazy right now. And I know yeah. a lot of companies are struggling. And the, but there's a good way to do this and there's a bad way. And they went the bad way because they gave everyone, right. what is like a week to decide, which people are calling extortion because you're like, right. if you don't pay us $5 a month, your devices will no longer work in the app. You can The automations will cease to function. Remote access will no longer work. Like they're basically just cutting off everything if you don't do that. And especially in current situations, how are you going to get something else and get it installed to replace it in a certain amount of time and however much money you spent on those devices? Yeah. That is bad. There's another company that I have used for many years for my pets. It's called PetNet, and I love their smart pet feeders. It kind of monitors how much food you're giving your pets and their calories. You can monitor how, based on their activity level, it'll give you the calorie count that they should be using. You can put in your food, and it gives you recommendations based on that food's uh, caloric content. And you can help automatically reorder food when they go low and alerts you if they're going low. You can feed them while you're away, which was our big thing for our cat. If I'm out for a week at CES, I could at least have, you know, the cat being cared for with that for at least a couple of days before having to have someone check on him. They are struggling right now during this whole you know, pandemic sure. and a lot because of some of their partners are struggling for their cloud services and stuff like that. So what do they do? They start communicating with their customers and they actually send out emails letting you know, hey, we're having a couple of issues with this. We're working on it. Your stuff's going to continue to operate. Don't worry. And they send another follow-up email. Look, things are getting, you know, this stuff is not clearing up. We're struggling in this uh, in this regard. We're going to do our best for this. Um, we're contemplating w what it would look like if we did try to pivot to a subscription model for cloud services. Would you be open to that? Please take this survey. Let us know your thoughts and what price you would consider. 
all of that kind of information. And I'm like, this is such a good company. They actually care about their products and their users and the users' pets. It's a tough call to make, but when they do it like that, I'm like, you guys have been there and you support your products and I will gladly, you know, chip in a, a small monthly fee for something like that. But then when Wink is like extorting you to get this done now or they're going to cut off everything with little to no, you know, communication with customers, it's just a bad look. Yeah, and they said, you know, the company told customers if they don't pay the fee, they'll lose access to all Wink devices in the app. When you buy a product that you know, you have owned it, you've installed it in your home, yet to basically disable it remotely feels super dirty. Mm -hmm. And I understand, again, the time, it's difficult, but maybe put a feature or a set of features behind the paywall or, you know, make a subscription for, I don't know, automation or home kit ability, something. I think cloud services is usually the big one because that's what's eating up a lot of their costs, but still retain, you know, some local control and automations and everything like that. And then build on support for those cloud services, cloud storage, whatever it may be. Right, because even, you know, with my Canary cameras, you can buy a camera and just use it and you just don't get as many days of recording time. You get 24 hours worth of history. Right. And if you want 30, pay a couple dollars a month. Right, and like, totally reasonable yeah you know and if you ever just want to open the app and look at the camera you could do that at any point at any time (laughs) you know you don't have to pay for that because you bought the camera and so this yeah this feels really dirty i mean i don't know they would have to backpedal and and change what they're doing but yeah this is not the way to go about it for sure um i guess this is a good time as any to mention that HomeKit products i believe in their requirements is that they can be controlled and operated exclusively through the home app and if the company ever went out of business there is no reliant on those external servers anything like the core functionality should be available through the home app without relying on that company whatsoever so if you're buying a home kit product right a light switch or whatever it's going to be if that company goes under your product will continue to operate and work forever as long as Apple is still doing HomeKit, which should be a very long thing. I would hope so, right? Yeah, of all the companies that are going to last, yeah. And I will say the last Wemo switch that I bought, uh, again, because the app is a little janky and setup can be a pain, I did not use the Wemo app at all to set up Mm -hmm. that particular device. It gives you the HomeKit code in the instructions, and it's also printed on the physical device. And so I set it up in the Home app exclusively. And it worked great. And uh, the model, I'll put a link in show notes, but yeah, it's 20 bucks, you know, Alexa, Google Assistant and HomeKit enabled, set it up in the HomeKit app, didn't even touch the Wemo app. That's great to know. And so that is why for me going forward, I tried to buy everything HomeKit enabled, uh, anything that I want to install in my house or anything going forward. I definitely want HomeKit. And if possible, that doesn't require a separate hub. Yeah. And I know you have some things in your list. Why don't you go ahead? This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. If you've never heard of Masterclass, it's an incredible online and mobile learning experience where you can learn from some of the best in the business across all areas, whether it's art, entertainment, music, cooking, makeup and beauty, and so much more. I love Masterclass because it has classes that really speak to my interests. I've taken a class with Hans Zimmer and learned about film scoring. And I've talked about Chris Voss before in The Art of Negotiation. And let me tell you, if you are a freelancer or you work with clients and contracts, taking that Chris Voss class on negotiation would be a great tool to help you in your freelance work. Masterclass has over 75 different instructors across tons of categories. There's literally something for everyone. 
What I love about Masterclass 2 is you can access it on any device you'd like, whether that's an Apple TV, iPad, iPhone, or even on the web. The video quality and production on these videos are incredible. I love just to watch it for the visual aspect, but what they are teaching you is invaluable. Incredible learning experience. I also like to do it on my iPhone because then if I get in the car or if I need to go to audio only and listen to a class, I can switch it from video to audio mode just with one toggle, and now I'm listening to a masterclass from Hans Zimmer or Gordon Ramsay on cooking. The lessons are just about 10 to 15 minutes in length, so it's super flexible. You can do a lesson on your lunch break, just squeeze one in in between what you're working on, and again, on any device that you have, it's available anywhere. So I highly recommend you check out Masterclass. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass, and as an Apple Insider listener, you get 15% off the annual all-access pass. So go to masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. That's masterclass.com slash Apple Insider for 15% off Masterclass. Our thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this show. I guess before we go into everything that I have, the main thing that has been plaguing me is we recently bought a house, okay? So we had, had a lot of the stuff set up in our old home and now we're moving into this new house and there's a a whole debate on the best ways to pull that off because it is not easy your layouts are not the same your automations are all going to change uh, for the most part you're going to be adding devices removing devices it is a whole lot to do and i'm very interested in how others have accomplished this and what i did to do this was i mostly kept i removed things immediately that i wasn't going to use I ditched all of my automations that I knew were going to, I really parred those back to only a couple automations that I knew I was just going to supplement with different products, but some things that were going to stay the same. A lot of people kind of advocate for ditching it all and re-adding everything. I was just not prepared for that. You can see in my (laughs) list, I have quite a lot of stuff going on. So I did not want to have to remove and then re-add everything, reset everything was just going to be a terrible pain. So I did leave most things intact. I removed the stuff that I was going to be removing and added new stuff in. It's been very clean and it was a pretty painless process. I also set up, I took the time to set up a second network. So I kept my Hmm. old Wi-Fi network for my smart home devices. And then I set up a new network that I just use exclusively for, you know, my Mac, my uh, iPhones and my iPads, my wife stuff, all of that on our own network, separate from all of our smart home stuff. So that also, I think, helped a little bit. But that was my rough theory in kind of getting this going. And then since then, I've been adding stuff consistently. And it kind of came to a head last weekend. A lot of home cut stuff is heating up. Um, and there's so much stuff going on that I'm really excited about. So I was really working on doing a lot of this stuff the past uh, couple weeks. A few things that I got done. Well, I build these raised garden beds in the back. And I want to set up a watering automation system using my Eve Aqua. Uh, so I started working on that, realized I actually had a broken faucet on the outside of our house. So I had to replace our faucet on the outside of the house and then install the Eve Aqua to automate, uh, my gardening. So my gardening watering of my gardens. So that was a really nice nice little automation to set up. There's also another one. Um, what is it? Hive, something like that. There's another orbit orbit. That's the other one. I'm going to use that for my front yard. So I have one of those in the front and then the Eve Aqua for the gardens in the back. So those are going to be kind of my outdoor situation there. I also just got the brilliant wall panels installed. 
Have you seen those before? I just was looking at the website oh, as I was going through your see? notes. Man, that looks amazing. Okay. The first thing is they are expensive, and I understand that. Sure. And that's the first thing everyone says to me. But I tell you, I'm telling you, these things are amazing. They look they're very futuristic looking, but they're simple looking. The screen on them is far better than I ever would have thought. Like it literally looks like you're looking at a smartphone screen. The resolution is really high. And we you know sideloaded all these images into it for like the screensavers. They just look so nice in the house. But as far as controls go, they tie into a bunch of things. So they can control, I believe, your Lutron gear, your Hue lights, your Wemo switches, the August smart locks, um, uh, TP Link, huh. but I'm mad at them for backpedaling on HomeKit support, so we're not gonna what? encourage that. <laughs> but there's so many like they can tie all those in, and you can add scenes and everything in there. That is the only minor down point to them is that you more or less have to create your own scenes inside of the Brilliant system to go on there. But they also will be supporting HomeKit very soon. They announced it at CES 2019, and it's been you know incoming since. So I'm sure that's got to be somewhere around the corner but i have had these for a little while now and and when we got our new house and i've been waiting to install them um they have intercoms to talk between your rooms including a video intercom so i can be in the studio and my wife can you know get on the intercom and like talk to me they do have covers for the cameras so if you're worried about putting cameras in any of the rooms there are physical covers to hide up the cameras so you don't have to worry about any privacy issues with this stuff i cannot say enough about these things just the fact they control you're almost your entire home from the walls. And I'm a huge proponent, you know, as we go through through the rest of my home here, you'll notice that everything I have has some sort of physical control to it because I like controlling it with my voice or with the apps or with, uh, you know, NFC tags, but you still have guests, you still have, you know, family members that don't or can't do that. So it's important to take right. those into consideration. Um, so I got those uh, wall panels installed. That was a big deal. Super excited about those. So what was the, uh, I'm sorry, so you did the Eve Aqua, mm-hmm. and what was the other thing that you mentioned? The Orbit. Orbit makes, I think it's called like the Hive or something like that. Orbit. They added HomeKit about a year ago, and that's another really solid watering system. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yes. So those are good. I've got an August door lock right now on my front door. I've always recommended the August locks. I've never, ever had an issue with them. One time, the battery died very quickly. It said I had a low battery. Like the next day, it was dead. But at mm-hmm. least it did tell me, and I did swap out the battery. So, and at least I know that now. But that's always a consideration to take with when you put a smart lock. You know, hide a key somewhere, keep a key on you just in case. But it all, usually, it automatically unlocks and locks for me. So I've always really liked those. I'm contemplating upgrading to the new August. I think they called it the August Pro. They announced that earlier this year at CES. Mm. We talked about it. We went hands-on with that already. And it is a really, really nice lock. It is a lot smaller, but it also bakes the Wi-Fi controls right into it. Mm. So, yeah, you don't need to have that the additional August Connect module. So that's going to be a really right. good upgrade um, when that finally releases. But I've been talking, you and I have been talking about that invisible level lock, too. Yeah, so this, you sent me the name, Level Lock, and I looked it up, and it basically installs in your current deadbolts yep. inside the door and then manages the deadbolt from inside. And that was the one thing, the August Lock, you know, it looks great, it's well-designed, but it's definitely like a large, round thing. But smaller now, but it's still... Smaller now, right, yeah, big round thing. But for the Level Lock to be able to install, and basically your door looks exactly the same, and it enables HomeKit and all the kind of proximity things and unlock when you walk up to the door uh, is great because my front door is now tied in with my Vivint security system. 
And so I can unlock it and lock it from the Vivint app, but it's not HomeKit. And so I can't do it. And there's not great proximity options or unlock it as I walk up to the door. But uh, this level lock looks really interesting and tempting. Yeah, I'm really excited to try it out more. The biggest downside is going to be the fact that it is Bluetooth only, not Wi-Fi. Mm. But I mean, it hides completely in your door. You don't have to replace any hardware. It doesn't look anything techy, but you have a smart door lock. I love that idea. I think it's going to be a, a huge hit. So I'm really excited to start testing that thing out. Now, do you have experience with the Lutron blinds? I do. That was probably the first thing I installed of smart home stuff <laughs> in my house. I think they're. I think they're. They would be shades rather than blinds, maybe. But I don't. Right. right who knows right, what right. the distinction is? But it. it I'm pretty yeah. sure they're shades. But like we were talking about reliability, they've been amazing. We did a custom order one because my window is huge. I have a huge front window that's like more than six feet long, I think, and it's crazy. And I have a set of Lutron shades on there. We custom built them to, you know, how look what we want, the fascia on the top and the materials we're using, the blackout materials. They are so cool. And I love the ability to, you know, schedule them, open and close them with my good morning and good night scenes. Um, when you arrive home, they can open up for you. When you leave, they can close. They're just so handy. They've been incredibly reliable. They do get expensive, especially when you go the custom route. Yeah. But I think that's but when you start looking, and I just started looking at blinds because we didn't have some for other rooms, when you get to any kind of build your own ones, then yes, they start to get expensive regardless, sure. you know, whether or not you're looking at the Lutron ones or others. So when I was comparing these other ones, like Home Depot and Lowe's, I'm already shelling out a lot of money, hundreds of dollars for what it was going to be. And I'm like, I might as well just go with the Lutron route. And it's still custom, but at least it's going to work with HomeKit. The thing runs off of batteries. Mm -hmm. I've never... I don't have a bad thing to say about it. That is actually the review that's running this weekend. Nice. I encourage anyone who's interested in shades to go read that. And as we talked about, there are physical controls. You can pick up a little remote to control it up, down, set your favorites, all of that. So there is a physical way to control these as well as using your voice and through HomeKit. That's pretty cool. Now, just go back up to the top of your list real quick. Do you use some Philips Hue lights around your house too? Yes, I do. Um, a few of my rooms we have like, they're not chandeliers but I don't know what else you call them. They're fixtures with a lot of bulbs, like a lot of um, like filament style bulbs in these things. They look really huh. cool. Not a chandelier of any sorts, but just has a lot of bulbs in there. And I'm not going to replace yeah. like six bulbs in there with hue bulbs. It's just going to be crazy. No, no, no. Sometimes I'll switch. I'll do a wall switch. I'm jumping ahead again. I'm all over the place, but I have Kooky, oh, Eve, and iDevices in wall switches for certain rooms that have those larger fixtures but and then rooms like the bedroom where i have only a couple bulbs i have those all tied to hue and it's so nice because again you can automate them you control them with your voice um, i like just being able to get in bed and then turn the lights off if i like oh i, forgot, I left the light on and have to go up and hit the switch and if i'm all cozy or the dog's on top of me the last thing i want to do is get back up and go turn off the light switch so that's always very handy right but i use the i'm pretty sure it's called the lutron aura which is a tiny little toggle it screws onto your existing light switch and it works with either there's two different versions. There's one that works with like the normal up and down little bar. You just like yeah, flip yeah. on or off. And then there's ones that work with the paddle switches as well. And it's a tiny little battery powered adapter that'll control your hue light. So I have hue lights in the room. I have a mm. Disney light in the corner, the hue Disney light. And then I have two night like end tables night nightstands next to my wife and yeah, I yeah. and those have hue lights in them so we have one on the ceiling the light then one's by our bed 
all of those are controlled by the little aura. So I can go and press it once, turns off, press it again, turns it on, or you can rotate it and it brightens or dims your lights. And it, they're really cheap as far as kind of, you know, hue accessories can get. Yeah. I completely say if you're going to put lights in a hue lights in a room, grab one of these things. It's so easy to control all of those lights, but of course they also work mm-hmm. through HomeKit, so control them that way too. Right. Do you find that you use different color settings with your hue lights? Not often. I mean, I have like the warm ones in there and some of those are scheduled. Right, right. But in my bedroom, I don't have those there. I do have some in the living room and I can set those to different scenes. And I have used a hue sync box in the living room to go with movies. And for that point, the lights are very cool. Uh, if we're doing a party yeah. or something, we threw a 70s themed party for my wife's dad. And we <laughs> had all like these bright, cool colors everywhere. And he loved it. So that was a really, you know, a fun way to use those multicolored That's lights cool. when we have them. Now, you also have in your list a Lutron fan controller. Is that for ceiling fans? Yep, yep. Uh, there's pros and cons with that guy. It works really well because it's Lutron. I've had no issues with it. But yeah, it just replaces your, you know, wall switch for the fan. The only downside is it only controls the fan. So depending on how it's set up, you might have issues if you want to control the light as well, if that makes sense. So it'll like only control the fan. So if you have like a a double paddle or something in your wall Mm. and the top one is your fan, the bottom one's your light, you're going to put this in. It takes up that whole, the whole gang box. So you're going to need to add like a second switch in there, or you're going to have to tie those off to make them on all the time and then put some smart bulbs in there and control them that way. So you do have options. That is a minor downside. In my studio, I have one for a ceiling fan and then a second switch for the lights. Makes it not an issue at all. Pop that in and I can control the fan that way with the physical controls of the wall or controlling it through HomeKit and all the automation setup. So I just have a single toggle light switch for my ceiling fan. Mm-hmm. And so would that at least allow me to turn the light off or on and then the whole fan off or on? So you have one box and it's be, it, de- it doesn't have like a speed control for the fan or anything. It's just on or off. No, correct. In that case, you wouldn't. I wouldn't buy this because it's going to be more expensive than you need. I would just buy a regular smart wall switch. But because I need it to not require a neutral wire, which I'm looking at it, the Maestro, I assume the model that, that you got, it doesn't require a neutral to be installed. And so I'm curious <laughs> if that's any cheaper than the $85 regular switch. Yeah, I mean, because that's what I was looking. If you're for. just turning them both on or off, no speed controls, nothing like that, I would go with whatever you can. That'll do it that way. Whatever Lutron's got, if they have a simple wall switch that has no neutral, like you said, that would work. Yeah. Or any of the other brands that don't have a, a neutral wire. So I also see that you have an Ecobee thermostat as well. Yep, we have the new Ecobee thermostat. The, I think they just call it the Smart Thermostat now. It's like the I don't know what generation it is. <laughs> But it's the newest Ecobee. It's the newer model. Yeah. That's been really great. I like that over some of the others. I was originally a Nest user. And then when Google bought them, I'm like, there's no way HomeKit is ever coming here. So I kind of jumped ship. <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. I went to, I tried the Honeywell Lyric. I tried the iDevices HomeKit thermostat. And I ended up on Ecobee. Nah. Definitely has been the, a good choice for me. And I like that they yes. their stuff is very well designed, very well supported. And they have had a lot of you know, other devices launch to kind of go around that. So it's been a good little ecosystem to support, and especially with their firm stance on HomeKit. Yeah, and I love, I have an Ecobee as well. I've had it for a few years. And the multiple thermostat, like you can put remote thermostats in different rooms. Those are huge. Yeah, it's it's cool because again, in an older home, some rooms can get very hot mm-hmm. and others are just fine. And so, you know, the Ecobee will try to balance it out. And so 
some room might be below the temperature that you set, but the hotter rooms will at least get closer to it. And it knows what room you're in. That's, I think, the important thing. Right. So it, it knows you're in the bedroom or it knows you're in the living room, and it tries to get that room in particular closest to what the temperature should be. Yeah. So that was the biggest selling point at the time, but also its HomeKit integration has been great. Absolutely. Yeah. Love the Ecobee. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN when you're browsing the internet. And now that a lot of you are working from home, it's even more important to choose a VPN you can trust. And when it comes to choosing a VPN you can trust, I've been using ExpressVPN for a long time now, and I can say with full confidence that it is the best VPN on the market, and I've used many of them. Here's why. ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Other cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to ad companies. Listen, you don't want that. ExpressVPN developed a technology called Trusted Server. It makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your info. Plus, ExpressVPN is super fast. I'll use ExpressVPN even while streaming video, and it doesn't lag and it's not sluggish. Super fast all the time, even if I'm accessing servers that are thousands of miles away. Something else that sets it apart is that ExpressVPN is extremely easy to use. You open the app, click one button, and you're connected to the VPN. That's it. And it's not just us that says that. Wired, CNET, The Verge, and many others rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN in the world. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use our link at expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider today and get an extra three months for free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider. Visit expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this show. We're talking about HomeKit stuff, but you put a Sonos Arc on here. Talk to me about that. Well, so Sonos Arc, it actually launched yesterday. We're recording this on Thursday. Those launched Wednesday, and I cannot tell you how excited I am because they finally are supporting Dolby Atmos. And it is Sonos, so it does support AirPlay 2 as well as HomeKit. Okay. I... um. I got the Beam. I bought the Beam when that launched a few years ago, and I love it. It is, again, HomeKit and AirPlay 2 enabled by itself, but I really wanted something that had Dolby Atmos, and I looked at a lot of different options. I really looked at buying a receiver and stapling speakers everywhere, <laughs> and I was like, I just can't go down this route. I think I'm just going to have to deal with not having Atmos for a while. And there's cheaper sound bars, and I did try a couple of them, but their Atmos experience sucked. They basically put a couple upward-facing drivers and called it a day and said, oh, look, we now have you know Atmos support, and it's yeah. not great. Things don't hit your ears at the right time. There's no real tuning to it. Uh, let alone the audio quality by itself. So I was really, really, really excited to see that Sonos was launching Arc. We got the news a little bit ahead of time, so I had time to really dig into everything. This thing is just an incredible speaker. They're gonna, they put so many little touches in there, like an ambient light sensor to control the status lights on the front that automatically dim as your room gets darker, so it doesn't like blind you while you're watching videos or anything. Since it's HomeKit, you can control the volume and everything with your voice or without your other scenes. It shows up as actual volume, you know, in the remote apps on your phone. I'm really excited this thing. It launches on June 10th, so we're only like a month away from that getting out the door. So what is it? Is that optical in on the back? No, it uses um, eARC is preferred. 
Um, that's going to get you the highest quality audio, especially for Atmos. Uh, newer TVs will have that, like the Sony TVs I talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, but right. any anything that has ARC will also work, just regular HDMI ARC, um, audio return channel. And if you're using regular ARC, you can still get compressed Dolby Atmos support. And if you don't have ARC or eARC, there is an HDMI to optical digital uh, adapter in the box so you can still use optical that way so if i was going from like if i just have an apple tv Mm -hmm. and then an older physical television i use the adapter to go optical optical to hdmi into the soundbar um you probably yeah let's see so you'd have to do it depends on what apple tv you have but you could still do the optical out of the tv into the back of the soundbar that should work right well because the apple tv has the optical thing in it the newer ones don't i don't think the 4K? Oh. Yeah, they killed it. They took it off. Right. I know. That was a oh, whole debate. That's right. That's right. Because I haven't looked at the... I mean, I have an Apple 4K because of all the stuff we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But the one that's in my bedroom is an older model, and that one still has optical. But So this thing is... It's seven ninety nine. This is replacing the play bar and the play base in their lineup. So the beam is right. going to be the entry level model. Then this is that premium market. There was a huge demand for the play bar and the play base, but everyone wanted a newer version. I don't believe the play bar supported AirPlay two or anything like that. So they were really due for an upgrade. Sonos just took those guys, added incredible audio, added the Dolby Atmos support, and so much more, and came out with this amazing new speaker yeah. and i'm really really excited to to be picking one up now they do have the the set that includes the wireless subwoofer mm-hmm. that is a full 1500 bucks so not yes they do have not a, inexpensive this the base on the arc though is is going to be is incredible so we, a lot of people probably aren't going to need the sub but yes their sub is mm-hmm. 700 by its own 699 they did just announce the sub gen 3 which adds in better wireless performance it adds uh, more memory, more processing power, kind of future-proofing the guy. Gotcha. It does look amazing. Yeah, I'm excited. Review forthcoming. And now tell me the last <laughs> two things on your <laughs> list. I have no idea what either that's of these fine. are. It happens. Yes. Okay. Talk to me. Muso 2, that's my other uh, speaker that I use a lot. I love this thing. If anyone watches my videos, they see it in the background all the time. That is the the speaker that I have in my studio. It's just incredible sound. Supports AirPlay 2 and a bunch of other ones. It's, it's one of the best-sounding speakers that I've ever... Um, picked up so i'm very happy with uh the muso 2 uh but then we have these water sensors (laughs) you talked about like you were debating them and i feel like it's kind of funny when i get like pitched these things or something because i i know what a lot of people see when they like or think when they see them they're like oh boy a water sensor let me just contain my excitement it is a passive sensor listen and most people probably haven't had a leak to deal with so they don't understand why these things are so flipping important and i could not be a bigger advocate for this my grandma had a ridiculous situation where she had no idea how much her thing was leaking and all of a sudden not until it like came through her basement ceiling did she realize it was a problem and then as i said we just got a new house and what happened with us I I put these in my sinks. I put them in our master bedroom, bathroom, and a regular bathroom in the laundry room, kitchen. What ended up happening was we were installing a water softener and we increased our water pressure. I made some changes down there. was able to increase our water pressure in the house. Not even crazy, still acceptable levels here, but it was a little bit higher than what it was before. That caused my, the one of the sinks in our master bathroom to start leaking. (sighs) 
I had it a little bit to the side. I should have had this thing closer. And next thing I know, I'm getting an alert that there's like moisture detected. And I go and check it out. And sure enough, there is a good pool of water here, some warping of the wood. And I'm going down to our basement. We're still finishing our basement. So I could I could actually see where it was coming through, right, you know, where our bathroom is. And I know that if that would have just continued, it would have been horrific. Or if I had my basement finished and that starts yeah. leaking onto the ceiling, that would have been terrible. All I had to do was literally just unscrew the, you know, cut off the water, unscrew it and tighten it back on again, put a more um, uh, tape around the pipe and everything was fine. Haven't had any issues since. It could have been so much worse had I not had that water sensor there. And I know they're not that exciting, but watching that kind of stuff when you own a house is yes. is definitely a, a huge deal. The couple that I have, I have the Fibaro ones. They're small, local, Bluetooth, little guys. They have um, pins going down the bottom that are on like springs whenever a couple water makes contact with two of those guys. Sends off the alarm, sends out a physical alarm as well as an alert to your smartphone. The other one is the Eve Water Guard. <laughs> that one has um, plugged into the wall, has a light on it so it's easy to see, and then an extendable sensor cable that you like route on the ground or something right. and i have that going yeah. underneath my washer and dryer to help make sure none of those leak i'm just I, they really saved our butt here i know it could have been so much worse or if i had that basement finished and just didn't even realize it or finish that basement without that water's leaking there i could have been ripping out cabinets and oh, would yeah. have had a bad day listen i mean i'm also a homeowner and water leaks does not sound exciting but if it's a if you have one of those in your house like it is a huge issue i remember we bought this home and remodeled it. In the final stages of remodeling, our water heater is actually in the attic oh. in this weird configuration. And something happened where there was something came off the water heater, it blew up, and it soaked the floor of the attic, which was also the ceiling of the master bedroom and kitchen. And it just, it delayed the whole thing by two weeks. Oof. You know, I had to bring in the fans, had to do all that. Mm -hmm. To be able to be notified by some, a leak like that so you can do something about it quickly. It is an incredible thing. I actually, I'm such a proponent, but I don't have any of these. So now I'm wondering, so the Fabaro, those are battery operated, I assume? Yep. Okay. And so does the battery last like six months, like a year? What is that? It's got to be a long time because I've never replaced the battery and I've had it for probably two years now. Okay. So now you said it's, but it's Bluetooth mm -hmm. power. Yeah. Does it? When you're not home, what does it connect to to send notifications and such? That would be your home hub. So whether that's your Apple TV, oh, your gotcha, gotcha. local iPad, um, HomePod. Okay, so it is to it is totally wireless. Mm -hmm. That looks like it might be nice for a kitchen type area that it doesn't have to be super intrusive. You don't have to plug it in. You don't have to run a yeah. cable. Maybe just put one by the dishwasher. Although I'm <laughs> I'm a little concerned because when I wash dishes, I wash those dishes hard. <laughs> And sometimes there could be a lot of water on the floor just from normal washing. So I don't know. I, I may have to try it out. And you're fine. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look it There's up. There's other ones available. There's definitely other options. Those are just happen to be the ones that I had picked up. Uh, yeah, they worked in our couple areas. Yeah, I and mean, they look great. And But the Eve one, definitely I love that idea of the cable running around a place, you know, especially for washer, mm -hmm. dryer type areas. So. Very cool. So I'm curious if you set those up via HomeKit, how does the I guess the notification has to come through the app? Yep, you get a home notification just right. like you would if there's a if there's motion detected on one of your motion sensors, if there is whatever whatever notification you have turned on 
or HomeKit. They just come through the Home app and just let you know there's water detected or moisture detected right through the Home app. That's interesting. I don't know if I've ever actually ever gotten a notification from the Home app. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I'm just trying to think back. Like I don't even know. Well, none of your stuff. I don't. I don't yeah. see anything that you necessarily would get a notification by default right. from your list. I mean, if you have any motion detectors, for me, I have a motion detector. Uh, circle camera on my front yard and whenever it detects motion it turns on one of those in-wall light switches and turns on my porch lights very handy when you arrive Uh home or guests arrive home uh not home but guests arrive it turns on the porch lights for them stuff like that you could also get that notification the motion was detected um you could do it for if a switch was controlled because you can control things uh with a switch as a trigger so if i press if I have a, so you have like an in-ceiling fixture or no, so you have like a lamp plugged in or something. You have a wall right. switch that controls your ceiling fixture, but then you have a lamp in the corner. You can have a trigger run that when you turn on that switch, it goes ahead and turns on that lamp at the same time. So that could also right. be a notification you could get if you, for some reason, wanted to, you want to be notified when that button is pressed. That's a thing that can happen. Yeah. All those just come through the home app. Now, do you know of any motion detectors that are HomeKit enabled, but they're literally just motion detectors? Do I? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't There's, know. Um, <laughs> uh, Eve makes a great one, just the Eve motion. The other one that people don't know about, uh, off the bit, off the bat at least, is the Ecobee sensors actually can function as HomeKit motion detectors. So if you have an Ecobee thermostat with those smart sensors, you can use those to trigger automation scenes based off of motion. So if you have one, you know, in your bedroom or something and you walk in certain times a day, it turns the lights on or you have one in your kitchen, living room, you can turn your lights on and off in those rooms based on motion from your Ecobee. Okay. I'm about to look up that Eve motion one. That's curious. It's a little older. I feel like they, they haven't updated that one in a while. It still has their all white aesthetic compared to the newer black and aluminum one. Um, uh, but nothing wrong with it. I mean, it still functions absolutely great. I actually use that on our bathroom. Okay. So when you walk into the bathroom, the lights turn on. And then when you leave, um, or actually a set amount of time, there's no motion. They turn back off. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I'm going to have to look up that. Is there any other motion detectors that you know of or recommend besides the E? Um, Fibaro makes one as well. It's round. It can be mounted. It's a nice little handy one. Um, okay. The Philips Hue that also works. They have a multi-sensor. There's an indoor and an outdoor one from Hue. Both of those work. So those are good options. I have a Hue outdoor light strip on a motion sensor. You go on the back patio or the dogs come up the stairs, kicks that light strip on, makes it easier to see. Gotcha. Okay. These Fabaros, can you get them on Amazon? Because I'm trying to find where I can buy them. You used stuff. to be able to, yeah. Okay. I'll have to look that up. They do offer... Um, non-HomeKit versions too. So just make sure you're paying attention because they have some that like support right. Zigbee and they have ones to support HomeKit. Right. So that's the other thing. So I was asking you about light switches that don't require a neutral wire. The Lutron does have the one. It's a little expensive. Mm-hmm. But then you told me about Acara, which is coming out soon. Yes. I assume these aren't under embargo. I mean, they're sitting here on my desk. I'm looking at them and I'm looking at, there's a... <laughs> <laughs> I'm on their website. I mean, it's okay, right there good. on the front then page I can, the Then website. I can talk yeah. about this without being in trouble. Yeah. Okay. Well, they have no, no, a new good. wall switches. <laughs> they have one that is a, um, a double wall switch, double rocker paddle switches there yeah. that one does require a neutral then they just have a standard single smart wall sw- wall switch that does not require a neutral wire i know that's a thing for a lot of people um you know older homes that just don't have them they need switches like this that don't have a neutral wire and it's good to see there's a couple options out there including these new ones from aquara now does it say you these require a they hub, do the aquara switches yes. 
Now, mind you, the hub for these is very nice. You can actually use that as an alarm system as well. It actually functions as a home kit alarm. So you can have motion sensors. They do have standalone motion sensors. They have buttons. They have outlets. They have uh, contact sensors for door and windows. So we do have this set up in our house. We have a hub. And I haven't tried these yet because they're obviously sitting on my desk, but I do have uh, the contact sensors on all three of our doors. And if when we have it armed, if any of those doors are opened, it'll go ahead and send off alarms. So it sirens and flashes lights and you get an alert on your phone that your alarm has been tripped. Okay. So I see them on Amazon. So a car smart wall switch, no neutral required. Hub is sold separately, apparently. They had bundles. Like it was a, we did a review of it because of course we did, which was like their starter kit. And it came with a hub. It came with a motion sensor. I think it came with um contact sensor and like a button. So it came with gotcha. maybe an outlet too. I'm not sure. It was a little getting started kit. It was a great idea for being able to start off your smart home because it's actually pretty low prices. I've had very good reliability with them. One time my hub needed to be restarted, but I mean, I've had this thing for months now and it only happened the one time. That's not, you know, terrible by any means, but did happen at least once, but I've been really happy with them for, especially for as uh, affordable as they are. Yeah. And it's actually, you can actually buy it on Amazon right now. I'm looking at the Akara smart wall switch, no neutral required 45 bucks which is great. And then the hub, you can buy the hub separately and that is 50 bucks as well. So 50 bucks for the hub and then 45 for each switch after that. I might try that. It looks nice. It does. They're, they're not a super obtrusive. Yeah, they're very simple and they've got a, they have a lot of accessories. They have a little control cube. You can control stuff, buttons, motion sensors, a whole lot of stuff tied to them. So, and a lot of those extra parts aren't as expensive as some of the standalone home kit versions. That's why sometimes a hub is helpful, even if it is annoying to have another hub in your house. All right. So my last question for you, you know, we talk about cameras. I mentioned I have a couple canaries. I have a flex and a standard canary. Plus I have a doorbell mm-hmm. camera from Vivint. I remember you reviewed the Natatmo HomeKit mm-hmm. camera. You mentioned a few here. If I wanted to buy another indoor camera that is HomeKit enabled, which would you suggest at the moment? Okay, so I would recommend you don't yet. Um, a lot of cameras have been announced, and some cameras haven't been announced, but information has leaked out. Starting off with what we saw at CES this year, we had... Um, ADT is launching a whole line of HomeKit-enabled cameras, and Abode oh. is launching an indoor-outdoor camera. So those uh, are should be along, I'm sure, very shortly. Those are the things that are coming out. Um, we also right. saw at around CES the EVE camera. This one looks phenomenal, and this one, it's being touted as the first exclusively HomeKit secure video camera. So it is going to be, there's no third-party account. There is no signing up for anything. There is no third-party servers. It is only HomeKit, and it supports HomeKit secure video. No subscriptions for cloud services. You know, they're not going to sell it to you, and then a couple years later tell you it's going to be five bucks a month if you want to keep using it. (laughs) This is going to be just an entirely HomeKit camera. So I'm really excited for that one. That's supposed to be launching, I'm sure, very soon. They announced it would be, I think, like spring, summer time frame. So that's got to be just around the corner. That would be my initial go-to just because it is exclusively HomeKit with a secure video built in. Another one that recently launched, Ecobee, did just release a new camera. It is very sleek. It ties into their new um, home service. It is a subscription service that helps monitor your home. Basically, they're just kind of pulling data from all these different sensors in your thermostat to alert you of things and to be as 
unobtrusive as possible, but the camera by itself is a very sleek looking camera. Video quality is awesome. I'm testing that right now. Really like that guy. Uh, and then the last one, which is literally nothing is official yet, but one of the most popular HomeKit cameras was the Circle 2 camera from Logitech. Yeah. And it was available in Apple stores and people loved this thing. It was, it was the first camera really to get an update to support HomeKit. Um, obviously the D-Link Omna was the first HomeKit camera, but this was the first one to get that update to add additional functionality to it. And they got the HomeKit secure video update on the Circle 2s. Last week we saw Logitech's own website leaked some sort of new version of a circle cam. This has been expected for a while. We saw stuff going through the FCC. We saw um, stock dwindling pretty much everywhere on the existing Circle 2 cameras. So it makes sense that a new one would be coming down the pipeline. And we don't know anything else about it, but those have been a very popular camera. So assuming it's going to continue to support HomeKit Secure Video and HomeKit like the other ones did, I'm sure that's going to be a slam dunk as well. So there's a a lot of options kind of out there right now for HomeKit cameras. And maybe not right now, but even just in the weeks or months, whatever it is ahead, there's going to be some movement here in that regard. Yeah, I signed up. for It says the Eve Cam. It starts shipping Mm -hmm. soon on their website. So I included a link to that landing page in show notes. I signed up to get an email when it starts shipping. So yeah, curious uh, how that will be. And, uh, you know, I said my last question, but I just saw at the end of your notes here, you mentioned that you want HomeKit remote for Apple TV. Yes. I'm assuming a remote that's not an Apple remote. Yes. Um, we've we talked about like Siri remote alternatives on Apple Insider before. I know a lot of people have issues with that remote, and Apple did announce, you know, that there was HomeKit for remotes coming and allowing you to actually use Siri through third-party remotes, and you know, build more functionality and all this other cool stuff into them. But we haven't seen any released yet. I know there's some yeah. in. Well, I know definitely some that are being worked on. <laughs> Uh, if that means anything to anyone, but I really am excited for something in that regard to get that, to get released. I want to try one. I really want to, there's a couple that I think on that really high end that no one is really going to reasonably have, but I'm super excited to try out a a home kit remote. I've been really waiting on that one for a while since Apple announced it like more than a year ago. Yeah. I'd be curious. I've speaking this kind of smart home stuff with the home theater stuff I bought. I also got the. Logitech Harmony Hub, Mm -hmm. which is basically an IR blaster that will control your devices. And it comes with a non-screened, kind of a dumb remote. The remote barely does anything. You know, you can do all the things for your home theater. You set up the activities. But the app that comes with the Harmony Hub is actually really nice. You actually can customize what buttons are on the front page. And from my experience in the last month or so, I really enjoyed the Harmony Hub. The IR Blaster controls a receiver, an Apple TV, and a Blu-ray player all in a cabinet on different shelves. And so it has no problem IR Blasting all those different devices. It comes with a secondary IR Blaster and a long cable that you plug into the back of the hub. And I put that by the TV on the top of the cabinet. And it controls everything flawlessly. And I can control it from that physical remote or from my phone in the Harmony Hub app, which has been pretty solid and I've enjoyed it. So Honestly, I kind of thought they'd be one of the first ones to do it. They are already in HomeKit. They work with the HomeKit team on their cameras and they have other HomeKit accessories like the Pop. So I'm like, you've already got like some controls and there. you got the button and you got cameras and you have a huge, I mean, that was a huge core business for Logitech. I know, I feel like smart remotes have died down a little bit, but... I really thought they'd be one of the first ones, even just a, an early partner on that. And yet we've seen, you know, no movement from them. So we'll see. I think a lot of stuff will be coming out in the next couple of months for sure in the home kit arena. But 
if you had ever go to the article for the podcast <laughs> or looked at the show notes, if you are ever interested in any of the things we talked about, this is the week to go and check out. Apparently it is. I know. And there's not even, I know I'm looking at my list of things to talk about and there's like even more stuff on here that we just don't have time for. Like the Traeger grill that I just hooked up is amazing control from your phone. No home kit, but it's, it's (laughs) super cool. So this is seriously the week, I guess, to look at show notes or the article because there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So I've put links to as many of the products that I could find, uh, which pretty much all of them, all the ones that Andrew mentioned and the different ones that I said, like the Wemo switch. But yeah, if you're looking for those water sensors, the motion detectors, the the speakers, in-wall switches, you know, even the coming soon devices, the Acara, all the links are in the show notes. And We've got reviews for a lot of this stuff too. So this is going to be right. a linked up, yes. linked up article show note. Like. Yes. Yes. So check it out. Check it on the show notes. Let us know if you have any home kit devices that maybe we didn't mention, but you really love and would like us to, you know, share on the podcast. We'd love to have you tweet at us yes. some of those home kit devices. That would be great. I love hearing about everyone's at. home kit setups for sure. So I want to hear about those yes. or moving your home kit setup, all of that. Yes. And also I would love to talk in a future episode with you, Andrew, and love to hear from the listeners what series shortcuts you've maybe set up that include some home kit devices. I've actually recently been playing around with my home pod and some of my smart lights and creating some triggers there and different things that, you know, setting volume levels, having it play on this speaker and dim the light and all that kind of stuff. So, and I love setting them up with uh, NFC tags. That's a cool one to do. That's my next step. And what was it? What's the NFC tag that you use most often? There's a, I mean, like the physical tags, what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like um, a link to it. Go to go to tags, I think is a big one. And then the other one that I like because they're itty bitty is a uh, tiny NFC. I think I got them sitting right here on my desk. Yeah, tiny NFC. Those are super small ones, but I like the ability to kind of hide them in places that you don't see them, like behind a lampshade or behind a wall switch. And you can go up to a wall switch and tap your phone and turn the lights off. Like if you have a regular wall switch there, but you have like smart lights, there's a lot of stuff you can do. Yeah. Uh, just get creative. You have go-to tags that are the heavy-duty bubble stickers, the blank white ones. I have the blank white ones, I think, with adhesives on the back or something. Gotcha. Those are the cheaper ones. Those are more affordable. The other options are these tiny NFC ones. They're a lot more expensive, but they're literally like smaller than a dime. I'm gonna try this 10 pack. I'll put a link into that in show notes as well. And I may play around with those and we can talk about it next time. The uh, NFC tag. So anyway, let us know. Tweet at us. Our Twitter handles are my, I am Steven Robles. There's a link in show notes. And Andrew, yours is Andrew underscore OSU. OSU. That's right. Links to that. Tweet at us your home kit and shortcut setups. We'd love to hear it. Also, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. That would really help us out, help us to be discovered by more people searching for Apple content and news. And we'd love to hear from you. And we can't wait to talk to you again next week.